You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports here on this Thursday, August the 11th, here on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Live in here on this beautiful Thursday, a day before the weekend. With your boy Trey Lockers talking all the latest in sports news. So, you know, you can catch the Wise Guy Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network each and every Tuesday and Thursday, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Talking all the latest in sports news. That's the Wise Guy Sports Show, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Bringing you all the latest in sports news. You can always call into the show as well. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Call in. Debate with me. You got something you want to say, something you want to argue with me about, something you don't agree with that I say. You are welcome to call the Wise Guy Sports Show. I welcome all listeners and callers to call into the show and debate some sports with your boy because I love being able to get a nice sports debate, whether it's NFL or NBA. But we actually got an action jam-packed show. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant demanding that Steve Ness and Sean Marks be fired. And he said that to the owner by the Brooklyn Nets the other day. Also later in the show, the Cleveland Browns, they are showing interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. This is in case Deshaun Watson is in, is in fact suspended for the entire season. Cleveland Browns said they got some interest in Jimmy G. Do I think it's a good idea for the Browns to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo? And also, who's going to be the week one starter for the Carolina Panthers. Is it going to be Sam Darnold or is it going to be Baker Mayfield? All of those topics we're going to get into tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Also, don't forget, next Tuesday, it was supposed to be the night, but it was going to be next Tuesday instead. Garrett Bush, co-host on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, locked on Browns podcast, on Wise Guys, on the World Wide Sports Network on Tuesday. That's Garrett Bush. He is the host of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show and also a host of the Locked On Browns podcast. That's going to be next Tuesday, talking everything Browns. So if you're a Browns fan and you want to get some nice insight to how fans up there in Cleveland feel about Deshaun Watson and whether or not they should trade for Jimmy G, tune in on Tuesday. I'm going to have Garrett Bush joining the show. Excited for that. But let's begin in the NFL. As this weekend, we got... NFL week one in the preseason. I'm excited about it. We got a bunch of games tomorrow night and also Saturday night. But we're going to begin today in New England as Matt Jones is making headlines for struggling at camp after reportedly having far more moments of uncertainty. This is Mike Gowardi. He is a reporter who covers the Patriots talking about Matt Jones. This was a few days ago. He said, Matt Jones had some moments of uncertainty a year ago in training camp, but not nearly as many as you would expect for a rookie. This summer, far more. Yes, it's early August. There's time. However, the install started back in the spring, and you'll like more comfort and success. That was Mike Gardy. He is a reporter for the New England Patriots. He's been covering the Patriots the entire training camp and he's talking about Mac Jones and so the question here is how concerned should Patriot fans be 
with headlines about Mac Jones struggling. I believe Patriot fans should be very concerned because the New England Patriots, they are used to a certain standard at the quarterback position. It was led by the great Tom Brady. Tom Brady won six Super Bowl championships for that New England Patriots organization. Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He's the greatest New England Patriot in franchise history. So they are used to a certain standard at the quarterback position set by the GOAT. And now you go from Tom Brady to Mac Jones. And after watching Mac Jones last year, and, you know, last year he had 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He had 3,801 passing yards. He completed 68% of his passes. Watching Mac Jones last year, I've came away with the belief that he's average. He's an average quarterback. And when you look at the competition that he's going to be facing in the AFC, Mac Jones just isn't good enough. You look at the quarterbacks in his own division. He's not better than Josh Allen. He's not better than Tua. He's probably better than Zach Wilson, you know, slightly. But we want to see what kind of progress Zach Wilson makes from, from his rookie year to his sophomore year. So he's not better than Josh Allen. He's not better than Tua. He's not okay. Let's go to the AFC West. He's not better than none of the AFC, AFC West quarterbacks. None of them. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. They are all better than Mac Jones. Let's go to the AFC North. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson are both better than Mac Jones. And Deshaun Watson, he's also better than Mac Jones. And then you look at the AFC South. Matt Ryan, he's better than Mac Jones. Ryan Tannehill is better than Mac Jones. So all these quarterbacks I just named, they are all better than Mac Jones. So if you're doing the Patriots and you're looking at your competition in the AFC alone, just the AFC alone, I think it's going to be a struggle for the New England Patriots to be viewed as true Super Bowl contenders because Mac Jones just isn't very good. He's not very good. And so I think that is something that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, the owner for the New England Patriots, have to keep in mind as the years go along. How many years are you going to give Mac Jones to live up to that standard that Tom Brady set in New England? I'm not saying that Mac Jones has to be the next Tom Brady, but Mac Jones has to at least be good enough to lead the Patriots to the playoffs and lead them on a deep playoff run. I watched that game last year. Opening weekend, wild card game, New England at Buffalo. And the Buffalo Bills, they scored on every single possession in that game. Every single possession. But watching the game, it was clear to me that Josh Allen is significantly better than Mac Jones. And it's I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, man, even at his best, can Mac Jones keep pace with the Josh Allen? The answer is an emphatic no. That's the answer that I came away with after watching that playoff game last year when the Bills played the Patriots. Now, the Patriots defense, they were awful in that game. They gave up 47 points in that game. They were terrible. But Matt Jones, he wasn't very great himself. He wasn't great himself. So this was his quote. In training camp last week, he said, quote, I know what I'm looking for. And sometimes I try different things in practice 
that I wouldn't try in the game. And that's the whole point of practice. That was Mac Jones on how he practices. Honestly, when you look at these quarterbacks in camp, make no mistake about it. The veteran players on these teams, they know who can play and who can't play. It doesn't take long for veteran players to know whether or not they got a true elite quarterback who can lead them to a Super Bowl. That's also part of the reason why I believe Devontae Adams wanted out of Green Bay because he knew that Jordan Love just isn't very good. He's seen Jordan Love in practice day after day after day. And he's looking at the situation in Green Bay like, hey, if I leave, and or if I stay rather in Green Bay and I got to deal with Jordan Love after Aaron Rodgers retires, because we know Aaron Rodgers is, he's moody. Every day, Aaron Rodgers, his mood is different. He might play this year and t- retire at the end of the season. Who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to be around another five or six years. I don't even believe he's going to play four years. I think three years on this contract and retire. I say all that to say that Devontae knows that Jordan Love isn't very good. So Devontae looked at it like, hey, I might as well go out to Vegas and team up with my boy in Derek Carr because Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played together at Fresno State in college and had great success. I might as well go out here with my boy and I'll get 10 years with Derek Carr compared to three years with Aaron Rodgers because once Aaron leaves, the Packers at quarterback are going to be a team that will struggle because Jordan Love just isn't very good. And not to mention, I'm going from Green Bay to Las Vegas. Give me Las Vegas over Green Bay all day long. Give me that warm weather. Give me that great city of Las Vegas over Green Bay all day long. But I say I have to say when it comes to Mac Jones, these players, they know in practice who's good and who's not good. And I think these players in this Patriots organization, they know that Mac Jones isn't very good. He's not very good. And so... Patriot fans should be highly concerned. They should be highly concerned, especially when you compare Mac Jones to his counterparts. Now, the second thing that I think is going to, you know, hurt the Patriots this year, I don't believe in their skill position players. Their skill position players are highly compensated. But you look at their skill position players for the, you know, this year, They're not very good. Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, Christian Wilkerson, they are not good. And then statistically, last year, or this is last two years, last two years, the Patriots wide receivers, they have 361 receptions. That's ranked 25th in the NFL. They got 4,459. That's ranked 26th in the NFL in receiving yards. They got 16 total receiving touchdowns. That's ranked 31st in the NFL. That's the last two years for the Patriots wide receivers. So I don't believe in their skill position players either, but they're highly compensated. They got the highest paid receiving group in the NFL. Say what you want about the Packers receiving group. At least they got a proven veteran in Randall Cobb. They also got a reliable, solid number two, in Allen Lazard, you still got Robert Tunyon once he returns back from his injury as a weapon in that offense. And then you got Romeo Dobbs, who's had an outstanding camp. The Patriots, they paid all these receivers, but they're not very good. So they haven't 
drafted well. They haven't developed well. And they're not even paying the Patriots receivers who are there, who's are there to get paid. They're not even very good. They paid these receivers that are not very good. So I think the Patriots are in a lot of trouble this year. This is the highest paid receiving core. And I don't believe in Mac Jones. I don't believe in their receiving core. They're going to struggle this year. When you talk about the Patriots in the AFC, I don't even think the Patriots will make the playoffs or even compete in the AFC East. They allowed J.C. Jackson to walk in free agency. He was their best player defensively. For whatever reason, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft decided not to pay J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson was one of the best cornerbacks on the market, and they decided to let him walk. I don't know why. I think they should have kept J.C. Jackson in New England. I think he can play. So I think it was a mistake for them allowing J.C. Jackson to walk in free agency. And then defensively last year, they were impressive. Last year, they allowed the second fewest points per game. They gave up 18. And the fourth fewest yards per game, they gave up 311 yards per game in the NFL. But the issue is, defensively, if the Patriots go up against one of these elite quarterbacks, like Justin Herbert, you know, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to play the NFC North this year. So you're going to face Aaron Rodgers. You're going to face Kirk Cousins. And he has an elite receiving core in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle. I really, really do. Like, I I just don't see the Patriots being a playoff team. And then you look at their coaching staff. The coaching staff is also unproven. They got Matt Patricia at office of coordinator. He's going to be calling the plays. But Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. He was in Detroit, and the reason why he got that job was because he was a great defensive mind. So y'all got Matt Patricia as your play caller, your offensive coordinator? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And we know the New England Patriots, they've always had coaches in place who have perfected that side of the ball. I'll go back to Bill O'Brien. I'll go back to, you know, you know, they had so many, you know, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, they, the list goes on and on and on. All of the great offensive minds that were in that New England Patriots, you know, system. Like Charlie Weiss, I go way back. All of those guys, they knew offense, and that was their expertise. That's not Matt Patricia's strength. His strength is defense. So, I, I mean, I got my questions about the coaching staff. I got my questions about Mac Jones. The receiving core isn't very good. So, man, I, I don't know. I, I can't see the Patriots going no better than than seven and ten. I, I think they're going to be a, they're going to be a team that's going to be seven and ten. They're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, there's so many teams that's better than the Patriots. I mean, in the AFC West, all four of those teams are better than the Patriots. In the AFC North, give me the Bengals and give me the Ravens over the Patriots, maybe even the Steelers, Browns for sure. So there are only four teams that Vegas has projected that the Patriots will have a better record in. Texans, Jags, Jets, Steelers. That's only four teams that Vegas believes will have a better record than the New England Patriots. Texans, Jags, Jets, Steelers. So Vegas even has predicted that the New England Patriots will struggle this year I say 7-10 at best. Let's transition. And let's go out to L.A. And let's talk about LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. 
So LeBron and the Lakers, they had a productive meeting about their future Thursday. LeBron is eligible to sign a two-year extension for up to $97 million. And so recently as well, this was last week that they met. They also met again recently. LeBron met with head coach Darwin Ham, uh, and he also met with Rob Palenka, who was also running the Lakers. So it was, it was, and it was Rich Paul, LeBron's agent. So LeBron, Rich Paul, Rob Palenka, and Darwin Ham all met recently. And they were talking about the Lakers and their expectations and things that they want to do for the team this year. So these are the four things that they talked about and their goals. Number one was consistent cohesion. Number two was foster atmosphere of selflessness. Number three was players have to play new roles. Number four was offense runs through Anthony Davis. This was Chris Haynes. He's the one who wrote this article up talking about the Lakers and LeBron James and Darwin Ham when they met in L.A. recently. So we talk about LeBron James and whether or not I see him and like the reason why he hasn't signed a new deal in L.A., I think LeBron is concerned with this Lakers organization and where they're going. You look at LeBron last year. LeBron last year averaged 30 points per game on 52% shooting from the floor, eight rebounds, six assists per game. So I thought LeBron James last year proved that he's still a top five player in the NBA. Now, defensively, he's lost a step. We don't see LeBron playing defense the way that he did when he was in his prime in Miami, the way that he did in his early years in Cleveland. He's no longer the defensive specialist that he once was. You know, remember at one point you could put LeBron James on any position one through five and LeBron could guard that opposing player. One through five. That's not LeBron anymore. He's still a great scorer and a great playmaker, but defensively, he's lost a step. But he's still a top five player. And so I think when LeBron is looking at this Lakers team, I think he knows that they are far, far, far away from being true championship contenders. And yesterday, the NBA, this was ESPN, they did a win projections for the Western Conference. I'm going to name all the teams. They had Phoenix with the one seed with 56 wins. They got Golden State at the two seed with 55 wins. They got Denver with 53 wins at the three seed. They got Memphis with 51 wins. And they're the fourth seed. They got the Clippers with 50 wins at the five seed. Mavericks, 49 wins. Timberwolves, 49. Pelicans, 43. And then the Lakers at Number ninth with 42 wins, the Lakers. And so LeBron is looking at this roster and he's thinking, we're not a championship team. We're not a championship team. And the problem is they don't really have any assets that they can put in a package to get better. I mean, you look at Taylor Horton Tucker. He's a free agent in 2024. Kendrick Nunn. He's a free agent in 2023. They have no first-round picks available to trade until 2027. And then Russell Westbrook, he's also a free agent after this season. But who wants Russ? Who wants Taylor Horton Tucker? Who wants Kendrick Nunn? Nobody wants any of those players that I just named. No one. So I look at this Lakers team, and I think the only player who can save this Lakers team right now is Kyrie Irving. That's the only player. 
player I could see coming in, fitting well with LeBron, with Anthony Davis being a true championship contender. You get the trio of Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. I believe that team would be a true championship contender in the Western Conference, and I think they would for sure be a top three seed in the West. Uh, with Kyrie and LeBron, their chemistry dating back to their days in Cleveland, they won a championship, went to multiple finals appearances. Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis would be the best trio in the NBA, and I think the Lakers would elevate to a top three seed in the Western Conference. I think Kyrie is the only hope for the Los Angeles Lakers right now. He's the only hope. I, I, he's the only hope. But also, you know, everybody's talking about how bad Russell Westbrook was last year and how he struggled, you know, with his chemistry with LeBron James. I'm going to tell you right now. The biggest reason why the Los Angeles Lakers struggled last year, it ain't because of Russell Westbrook, it's because of Anthony Davis. Last year, Anthony Davis only played in 41 games. He averaged 23 points per game on 53% shooting. So he was efficient shooting from the floor, but he only shot 18% from three-point range. Anthony Davis is shooting way too many threes to my liking. Anthony Davis, at his best, is a top 10, maybe top five player in the NBA. But Anthony Davis has to stop playing so passive and play more aggressive and be the true number one option on this Lakers team for them to succeed. LeBron is getting older. He's up in age now. So my thing is, you have to understand that in order for the Lakers to be true championship contenders, they need Anthony Davis to play like he's a top five player in the NBA. LeBron is 37 now. And LeBron can still be a second option on a championship team. Maybe even a first option depending on your, how your team is built. But I think Anthony Davis is in his prime. He's in his prime. And when he's at his best, like he was in the bubble, when the Lakers won the championship a few years ago, the Lakers are a dominant team. LeBron and Anthony Davis are a dynamic duo. So even if they bring in Kyrie Irving, in order for the Lakers to be true championship contenders, they need Anthony Davis to play like he's a top five player in the NBA. His talent warrants it. His talent warrants it. We know how great Anthony Davis is at his best. And it's crazy because I had to think a couple months ago, I was talking to my cousin, and we were talking about how at one point, like I used to always say Anthony Davis was better than joker and he was better than Giannis. at one point i said that that was in the immediate aftermath of the lakers winning in the bubble i said anthony davis is the best big man in the game it's three big men that i would take over anthony davis right now since i said that statement that anthony davis was the best big man in the game a few years ago jordan b has ascended the joker has ascended and Giannis has also ascended and gotten better I can't think of the last time that Anthony Davis had a great game. Call him to the show. 513-203-8655. When was the last time that Anthony Davis had a great game? I'm, I'm trying to think back like one of those games where you like, oh, yeah, this the, is this the real 
Anthony Davis today. This is vintage Anthony Davis. Since the bubble, I can't remember the last time Anthony Davis had a great game. It's been that long. Anthony Davis is due for a great season next year. It's time for him to step up and show the Lakers organization why he was worth everything they gave up for him. They gave up Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. They gave up so much for Anthony Davis. And it paid off for the Lakers when they were in the bubble and they won a championship. That's why LeBron wanted to bring AD to LA because he knew that at his best, Anthony Davis is a top five player in the NBA as far as talent. There's not, there's not five players in the NBA talent-wise that's better than Anthony Davis. If I'm, if I'm starting a franchise, there's not five players I'm taking at their best over Anthony Davis. He's 29 years old. Because I know everybody's like, oh, I would take Kawhi over him. I would take Steph over him. I would take Kevin Durant over him. LeBron over him. Absolutely. LeBron, KD, Steph. And Kawhi are all better than Anthony Davis. But AD is only 29. He's only 29 years of age. So I get a prime Anthony Davis the next six or seven years. But he got to stay healthy. And he got to be on the floor. Best ability is availability. And say whatever you want about Russell Westbrook. But Russell Westbrook played in 78 games last year. AD played in 41. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At wise guys underscore weights, also on Facebook, wise guys. And we should have followed wise guys on Instagram at these guys, no sports. Call to the show 513 203 8655. 513 203 8655. Let's transition. Let's get back to the NFL and let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. As we got a quarterback competition in Carolina, this is Panthers head coach Matt Rule on the quarterback competition between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Matt Rule, I'm not putting a timetable on the quarterback position until after preseason week two. So, when it comes to the quarterback competition right now in Carolina, typically in situations like these, the quarterback who was traded for, they would be the projected Week one starter. And in this case, the Panthers, they traded for Baker Mayfield. And the reason why the Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield is because they don't believe in Sam Darnold. And honestly, I understand why they don't believe in Sam Darnold. Because last year, Sam Darnold, he had nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He had 2,527 passing yards, completing 60% of his passes. This is after the Panthers they started off the season 3 and 0. Start off the season 3 and 0. Three great wins to start the season. But once Christian McCaffrey went down for the year, Sam Darnold was awful. He was awful and in order for Sam Darnold to be average, he has to have Christian McCaffrey on the field. Notice I said him to be average cuz I don't think Sam Darnold was very good. I don't even back to his college days at USC, I never thought Sam Darnold was very good. And then in the early part of his career, he was in New York with the Jets. Even though we know the Jets are a terrible organization, Sam Darnold wasn't very good when he was in New York. That's why they traded him to Carolina. And he hasn't been very good 
so far in his career overall. I mean, 54 touchdowns, 52 interceptions, 10,624 passing yards. He's completed 60% of his passes for his career. He's not very good. So I understand why Matt Rule decided to trade for Baker Mayfield. Now, the thing is, Baker Mayfield is better than Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield was better than Sam Darnold in college. That's why Baker Mayfield was selected higher than Sam Darnold was. But you ain't competing with a Super Bowl with either one of these quarterbacks. Whether it's Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, you are not going to be a true Super Bowl contender, especially when you got the likes of Tom Brady in your division. You are not a playoff contender, let alone a Super Bowl contender. Now, I do like Matt Rule's approach here. I've had issues with Matt Rule in the past as a head coach because his coaching record isn't very impressive. He's 10 and 23 overall as a head coach. And if the Panthers are not competing for a playoff spot, I can see Matt Rule being on the hot seat. I can see him being on the hot seat as we go into the offseason, and the Panthers might look to go in a different direction. But I like his approach here, making this a quarterback competition, because Baker Mayfield hasn't proven himself enough to just be handed the starting quarterback job in Carolina. So I like his approach because I believe if you make Mayfield earn the starting job in Carolina, I think that could bring the best out of Baker Mayfield. You can't just give Baker Mayfield the starting job. You have to make him earn it. And if you have a quarterback competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, I think we're going to get the best out of Baker Mayfield. Mayfield has been the better pro. And the Panthers organization, they know Mayfield is going to be the week one starter. But you have to make Mayfield earn the starting job. So, like, I think in preseason, it's going to be important for Mayfield to get a lot of snaps in these preseason games because he has to build up chemistry with his receivers in that offense. He has, to, he has to get on the same page with the offense so they can be able to play to the best of their abilities. He's going to play in the preseason because he, he hasn't had the, the, the reps that Sam Darnold has had, you know, over the last four or five months. Sam Darnold, he was with the Panthers last year in this organization. He knows the, the, the signals when they call plays. He knows the playbook. Baker Mayfield is at a disadvantage because he doesn't know the playbook like Sam Darnold, but he is better than Sam Darnold. But that's why I believe it's going to be important for Mayfield in the preseason to get some reps with the number one offense, the, the, the team number one offense, the number ones on this team. It's going to be important for Mayfield to get those reps so he can build up that chemistry and get on the same page with the receivers in this offense. It's going to be important. Also, their offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo, we know he's a former head coach of the New York Giants. He's the coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. When I look at the Carolina Panthers and whether or not they are a playoff team in the NFC, 
I don't think the Carolina Panthers are going to make the playoffs. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at their schedule this year. They play the NFC West and the AFC North. I see them going one and three against the NFC West. The only team I could see the Panthers beating is the Seahawks. That's the only team I could see the Panthers beating. They'll lose to the Niners, Rams, and Cardinals. They play the AFC North. They'll probably go one and three against the AFC North because they're going to lose to the Bengals. They're going to lose to the Ravens. And they're going to lose to the Browns week one. So they might beat the Steelers, maybe. And in their own division, I'll give them two and four. They'll lose both games to the Bucks. They'll lose both games to the Saints. And maybe, maybe they beat the Falcons both games they play the Falcons. That's two and four in your own division. So, and then in, in their other day, games against the Giants, against the Broncos, and then the Lions. They'll beat the Giants. I'll give them that win over the Giants. They play the Broncos. They'll lose to Russell Wilson. And then they play the Lions. I'll give them the slight edge over the Lions. But that game will be competitive. They can lose to the Lions. So I got them finishing at 6-11. and 11, And they'll be third in the NFC South. The only team that'll be better in, in the NFC South are the Falcons. Now, one of the keys for the Carolina Panthers is going to be whether or not Christian McCaffrey is healthy. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, that will help the Carolina Panthers' chances at competing for a playoff spot. He's the best player on this Carolina Panthers team for his career. McCaffrey got 3,587 receiving yards, 30 touchdowns, 781 carries. That 3,587 was rushing yards. I'm sorry, not receiving yards. I'm so used to talking about receivers. It's a passing league. But that's 3,587 rushing yards for his career. But the problem is McCaffrey hasn't been healthy. Last year, he only played in seven games. Seven games last year. The year prior, three games. The first three seasons of his career, he played in all 16 games. For the last two years, he has not been healthy. When he's healthy, Christian McCaffrey is a top five running back in the NFL. Top five running back easily when he's healthy. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and create mismatches for opposing teams' linebackers is something that the Carolina Panthers can take advantage of in this offense. So I think McCaffrey is the X factor for the Panthers overall season and their overall you know potential it has to be whether or not christian mccaffrey can stay healthy if mccaffrey's healthy they got a chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs i don't see it happening i mean i think they're going to go six and eleven if mccaffrey's healthy i'll give them eight and nine they might go eight and nine if mccaffrey's healthy that's the best i could see the Panthers going this year. Follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Instagram with these guys. No sports. Let's transition to the Wiser Lies segment of the day. We'll start off in Chicago as four-time All-Star Nikola Vucic and the Chicago Bulls have a mutual interest in extending his contract. And he plans to begin his discussions with the Chicago Bulls on a new contract, entering his final season 
of a four-year, $100 million deal he signed with the Orlando Magic in 2019. And he is set to earn $22 million. He averaged 17 points per game, his fewest since the 2017-18 season, 11 rebounds, and three assists per game. So, is it wise or lies to say that the Bulls should give Vucic a contract extension? I think that's wise. I think Vucic will help this Bulls team. You got DeMar DeRozan. You still got Zach Levine. I think you want to keep a nice big man in the lineup and in this on this Bulls team. I think Vucic, you know, is a good big man in the game. I would say he's good. He's not great. He's not Joker. He, he's not Giannis. He's not even Carl Anthony Towns, but he's good. And I think he is important to what the Bulls are trying to do. I think you want to keep Vujic, DeRozan, and Levine as a nice trio who can get this Bulls team into the playoffs and make some noise. I think it's wise for the Bulls to bring back Vujic. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns as Kareem Hunt. He wants out. The star running back has requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns. Sources told Cleveland.com's Mary Kay Shabbat, she's a great reporter out there covering the Cleveland Browns. The Browns reportedly have no intentions of moving Kareem Hunt, who's looking for a new contract extension. So is it wiser last to say the Browns should consider trading away Kareem Hunt? I think that's lies. I think that would be a mistake if the Browns traded Kareem Hunt. You don't want Nick Chubb to have to carry all that workload in that Browns offense. In the NFL, we see teams who have two running backs be elite teams and who are true Super Bowl contenders. You look at the Bucs in previous years. They had Ronald Jones. They had Leonard Fournette. The Packers, they had Aaron Jones. They had A.J. Dillon. So if you're the Cleveland Browns, you want to keep that one-two punch at the running back position with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Not to mention, Kareem Hunt is actually a productive back in the NFL. If Kareem Hunt was on any other team in the NFL, it's a good chance he would be starting. I would say there's at least 15 teams in the NFL, maybe even 20, that Kareem Hunt would start on if he was traded to. So I think he's productive. You know, last year he had 386 rushing yards, five touchdowns. He led the Browns with 11 touchdowns in 2020. So I think he's a productive running back, and you want to keep him in Cleveland because I believe it's going to help Nick Chubb not have to carry that entire workload in that Browns offense. I think if you have a fresh Nick Chubb for the playoffs and you got a fresh Kareem Hunt and they feeding off each other, I think that's a recipe for success. Let's stay in Cleveland and let's talk basketball with the basketball team as restricted free agent Colin Sexton and the Cleveland Cavaliers are at a standstill and talks on a new contract. Although the negotiations haven't been contentious, sources told Cleveland.com's Chris Feeder. The Cavaliers are reportedly looking to give the former number eight pick a three-year, $40 million deal, which isn't enough for Sexton and Rich Paul. So is it wise or last to say Sexton deserves more money from the Cavs? This was tricky for me. I would say it's, it's wise that Sexton deserves more money from the Cavs. 
I like Sexton. I, I, I really, really do. I think he has tremendous upside. And I think with this Cavaliers team, I think he could be a key contributor for them being able to win basketball games. I really, really do. Like, I, I like their roster that they put together. And last year, Darius Garland, he had a breakout season. He was outstanding last year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those are two players that the Cavaliers could build around. They could really, really build around Sexton and Garland. And then you got to look for his career. Sexton, he's, he's averages 20 points per game on 46% shooting from the floor. So he's a proven scorer at the NBA level. Garland last year, he was sensational. Garland averaged last year for the Cavaliers. He averaged 22 points per game on 46% shooting. So I like Garland and Sexton as scores in that backcourt. So I say it's wise for the Cavaliers to bring back Sexton. Let's go back to the football team in Cleveland as the Cleveland Browns, they announced Wednesday that they plan to play most of their starters in Friday's preseason opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars, including quarterback Deshaun Watson. Watson hasn't played since suiting up for his last team, which was the Houston Texans, in week 17 of the 2020 season. So is it wiser last to say the Browns should play Watson in the preseason? I think that's wise that the Browns should play Deshaun Watson in the preseason because Watson hasn't played a game since the 2020 season. That's a long time to be out and not get reps in live game action. I think it's important for Kevin Stefanski to have Watson in and get a few reps in with the starters, and play a few series. He hasn't played since the 2020 season. He set out an entire season last year. Not to mention, the NFL might end up suspending Watson for an entire season. They might suspend him for an entire season. So that's going to be two years of no live game action for Deshaun Watson. If you could get Deshaun Watson in the lineup, in live game action, I think you take advantage of it. So if I'm the Cleveland Browns, and I'm Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. I'm going to play Deshaun Watson in the preseason. Let's transition, and let's get back to some NBA, and let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant recently met with Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Sy, and they met in London, and Kevin Durant told Joe Sy that he needs to choose between him and Steve Nash and Sean Marks. This was first reported by The Athletic. And Josiah, in the immediate aftermath of the meeting with Kevin Durant, Josiah, he tweeted that he supports Steve Nash and Sean Marks. He said, quote, our front office and coaching staff have my support. That was the owner for the Brooklyn Nets. He recently met. So when it comes to this situation, with the Brooklyn Nets. Remember, Kevin Durant requested to be traded on June 30th. He also still has four years, $198 million left on his contract. So if I'm the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, Josiah, here's what I would tell him. I know Kevin Durant is a two-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, 
NBA MVP in the 2014 NBA season, 12-time All-Star, four-time scoring champion. For his career, Kevin Durant, he averages 27 points per game on 50% shooting from the floor. The man never averaged less than 25 points per game in his career. Never. Kevin Durant has averaged at least 25 points every season of his career. He's one of the best pure scorers in NBA history. He's probably the most gifted scorer in NBA history. He's a better perimeter shooter than Kobe and Jordan. And I love both Kobe and Jordan. Everybody knows I'm Kobe and Jordan fans. But Kevin Durant is a better perimeter shooter than both Kobe and Jordan. And despite getting swept in the playoffs this previous year, Kevin Durant is still a top five player in the NBA. But if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm Joe Sy, the owner, I would cut my losses. I would tell my general manager, Sean Marks, go get on the phone with Brad Stevens, the general manager for the Boston Celtics, and trade for Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, and some draft picks because you're not going to get Robert Williams. It was, it was already reported today that the Celtics, they're not going to package Robert Williams in a deal for Kevin Durant. But you can't get Grant Williams, and you can't get Jalen Brown, and you're going to get some draft picks. I would bring Jalen Brown and Grant Williams to Brooklyn, and I would team them up with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills. And that is a playoff team in the East. Because here's the thing. With Kevin Durant, you never got past the second round. So far, since Kevin Durant has been a member of the Brooklyn Nets, the Nets, they have two first-round exits, and they got one second-round exit. That was a series that they lost against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. So they haven't reached a conference finals since Kevin Durant has been in Brooklyn. So you, you right now, you're not even getting to the conference finals. You might as well cut your losses, bring in a Jalen Brown, and a, not to mention, this is an ascending Jalen Brown. Ascending. Jalen Brown was outstanding last year for the Boston Celtics. He averaged last year 24 points per game on 47% shooting from the floor. And I thought last year he had arguably his the best season of his career. He had arguably the best season of his career last year alongside Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to cut my losses with Kevin Durant because I haven't gotten far enough with Kevin Durant to keep him in a situation where he's un happy we know kevin durant when he told josiah that either you know it's either gonna be me or it's gonna be steve nash and sean marks he gave josiah ultimatum because he wants to make the environment toxic just in case he has to return back to brooklyn for training camp and has to play at the beginning of the season in brooklyn he's letting it be known it's gonna be a toxic environment so instead of being in a toxic environment and having similar results like I've had in previous years, I might as well bring in Jalen Brown and Grant Williams 
and have a peaceful environment. You ain't been to the conference finals yet with Kevin Durant. Why not let him go and cut your losses? They keep talking about their ceiling with Kevin Durant. You haven't even reached the conference finals. You haven't even reached the conference finals. Cut your losses. Move on from Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they have not reached the conference finals. But I believe Jalen Brown, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, that's a playoff team in the East. That's a playoff team. So I, I think Joe Sy and the Brooklyn Nets should cut, they, they should cut their losses here. Trade Kevin Durant. And I still think Kevin Durant's a top five player in the NBA. I believe that the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, once they trade Kevin Durant, and they, if they trade him to Boston, I think the Celtics with Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, they'll be a true championship contender. I think they arguably could be the best duo in the NBA over AD and LeBron, over Giannis and Chris Middleton. So, I mean, I think this would be a, a great trade for both teams. I think with Kevin Durant on the Boston Celtics, with Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, Al Horford, you got Malcolm Brogdon, who you traded for earlier in the offseason. I think that's a championship contender in the East. And again, if you're Brooklyn, You'll be a playoff team next year with Jalen Brown. I think you build around Jalen Brown because I believe Jalen Brown is a Sydney. He's getting better and better as the years go along. And last year in the NBA Finals, Jalen Brown, he outplayed his counterpart in Jason Tatum. I'm a Jason Tatum fan. Jalen Brown was better than Jason Tatum was in the NBA Finals last year. He was outstanding. Had the Celtics been able to force a game seven and somehow beat Steph and company in Golden State in a decisive game seven, Jalen Brown would have been the NBA Finals MVP. So if I'm Joe Sy, if I'm Sean Marks, if I'm Steve Nass, I'm getting on the phone with Brad Stevens and I'm trying to get my hands on Jalen Brown. I'm just going to cut my loss with Kevin Durant. I haven't had much success with him, so I might as well cut bait and move on. Call into the show what you think. 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. So, let's go back to Cleveland and let's talk about the Cleveland Browns as the reports out of Cleveland that the Cleveland Browns, they are interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that it's a good chance that Deshaun Watson He's going to be suspended for a significant amount of time. He's already suspended for six games. There's a great chance that will increase here soon. Once the, you know, the, the suspension, you know, is, is, is handed down and, and they actually have the ruling, he's probably going to be suspended for at least 12 games, at least 12 games. So they're talking about bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo to keep the Browns in the conversation for being Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. So I've been listening to Colin Cowher. He is a sports broadcaster on the Fox Sports Network, and he's been riding this Jimmy G train, you know, the entire offseason. He believes the Browns should trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I couldn't disagree more with Colin Cowher. And, and, and usually I don't, I don't usually call out other sports broadcasters on my show, but that's, it's fun. It's fun for me 
because it gives me content to be able to talk about. And I like Colin. I like Colin's takes. I, 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 I like Colin a lot. I think Colin is one of the best in the business, honestly. But he's wrong here. And the reason why he's wrong is because I don't believe that Jimmy Garoppolo would make the Cleveland Browns Super Bowl contenders any more than Jacoby Brissett. I am not a Jimmy Garoppolo believer. I'm not. I, I believe Jimmy Garoppolo has been riding the wave in San Francisco. The 49ers, they were winning in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo, not because of Jimmy G. I think it would be a huge mistake for the Cleveland Browns to trade for Jimmy G. I'm not giving up any draft picks for Jimmy G. Like, it's a reason why Jimmy G is still on the open market and not been traded for. Because Jimmy G isn't very good. When are we going to get the memo here that Jimmy G is a game manager? Jacoby Brissett can be a game manager. You look at the first six games for the Cleveland Browns. The first six games, they are at Carolina. And then they got a game against the... They got Carolina. They're home against the Jets. Home against the Steelers. At Falcons. Home against the Chargers. And in their home against the Patriots. With Jacoby Brissett. I could see the Browns going. Five and one. Maybe even four and two. I, I, I really could. If they brought in Jimmy G. What do you believe their record would be? In those first six games, will it be? They're not going to go six and zero because they're going to lose to the Chargers. They'll lose to the Chargers. You you need Deshaun Watson to beat Justin Herbert. But I can't see the Browns being any better with Jimmy G than what they are right now with Jacoby Brissett. I just don't understand for the life of me this infatuation. Jimmy G is not very good. We saw it. In the Super Bowl, Niners, Chiefs, the 49ers, they went into the fourth quarter. They were up 20 to 10, a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. And the 49ers could not win that game. And the reason why they couldn't win that game is because Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. He had Emmanuel Sanders wide open, and Emmanuel Sanders would have scored a touchdown, and the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl. But Jimmy G overthrew Sanders, and Mahomes ended up winning the game. You had the Chiefs right where you wanted them. In that game, I thought the 49ers' defense, they did all they could in that game. You hold the Chiefs' explosive offense to only 10 points going into the fourth quarter? 10 points? and Jimmy G couldn't close that deal, it's because Jimmy G is not very good. And then last year, you look at the NFC Championship game. This is in LA, 49ers at Rams. We noticed the NFC West battle between both of these teams. Going into that fourth quarter of that game, the 49ers, they were up 17-7. to seven. Up 17-7, to seven, 
So you got a 10-point lead with a Super Bowl berth on the line. In the fourth quarter, the Rams outscored the 49ers 13-0. And when, when the chips were at the front of the table, we saw why Matthew Stafford is universally recognized as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and Jimmy G is just a game manager. You have an opportunity to punch your ticket to the Super Bowl. In the last three years, I feel like the 49ers have been a team that could win the Super Bowl. You got one of the best coaches and play callers in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. You got arguably the best tight end in the NFL in George Kittle. They got a bunch of running backs who they put in who are by committee, but they can produce in that 49ers offense. You got Debo Samuel. And then defensively, you got Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the Chargers. I'm Nick Bosa. You got Fred Warner at linebacker. You got so many players on this team that makes this team a Super Bowl contender. And you would have thought that they would have won a Super Bowl by now, but they haven't won a Super Bowl because Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. It's a reason why Jimmy G is still a 49er. They keep talking about, well, maybe he hasn't been traded because he has he, he's still recovering from surgery. Baloney. That's ridiculous. If Jimmy G was, was good, even with his contract, you still would want to trade for him. You still would want to trade for Jimmy G because he's going to make your team better. But realistically, do y'all believe that the 49ers, if they trade Jimmy G to the Browns, do y'all believe that the Browns would be any better with Jimmy G than they currently are with Jacoby Brissett? No! Brissett is a nice backup quarterback. I think right now, at this point in his career, Jimmy G, he could start on a few teams, but he's not an average or good quarterback. I'm going to name the quarterbacks I would take over Jimmy G, but it's not the elite ones. I'm just talking about the, the good quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, Kyler Murray. I mean, he's kind of in that elite conversation. I mean, those are the quarterbacks I'm thinking off the top of my head I would take over Jimmy G right now. I, I mean, it's just he's just not good. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo if you are the Cleveland Browns? We know Deshaun Watson probably going to be suspended for the entire season. And they want to still be Super Bowl contenders. But I think you just you should just cut your losses and be happy with Jacoby Brissett. Be patient. Deshaun Watson is going to be in Cleveland for the next five years. He isn't going anywhere. So you got a championship team. I love their team. I mean, I think top to bottom, you could make a legit argument that the Cleveland Browns have the best roster in the NFL. You got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your backfield. They traded for Amari Cooper earlier this offseason. You still got Donovan Peoples-Jones. You still got David Njuko at tight end. Defensively, you got Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. You got Jadavion Clowney. You got 
Anthony Walker. They brought him back in free agency as well at linebacker. And then in the secondary, you got Denzel Ward, John Johnson, Greg Newsom. Top to bottom, the Cleveland Browns have a top five roster in the NFL. So I think even with Jacoby Brissett being a game manager, I think they can win games. First six games of the year, I think they'll go four and two. I think they will go four and two. I think they'll lose to the Chargers. And I they I mean they, they could go five and one. Baker, he's going to want revenge, but I'm gonna pick the Browns to beat the, the Panthers in week one. They lose to the Chargers, they might lose to the Steelers with Mike Tomlin. I, I don't know. They might go five and one. I mean, they could easily go five and one these first six games of the season. So I think. You know, even without Deshaun Watson, I think they're, they're still, you know, they could be, you know, possibly playoff contenders. I don't see them being Super Bowl contenders, but they could be playoff contenders without Deshaun Watson. But I just don't think they upgrade at quarterback, bringing in Jimmy G and and, and not playing Jacoby Brissett. I think it would be a mistake. And Jimmy G would, again, be a lame duck quarterback for one year. Similar situation that happened last year in San Francisco. He knew he was only going to be there for one more year because they wanted to hand the reins over to Trey Lance. They wanted to hand the reins over to Trey Lance. So I believe that Jimmy G would be in a similar situation that he was in last year. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's go over some of these preseason games. For the weekend. Now, we actually got some live preseason action right now. Right now, the Patriots lead the Giants 7-3. to And then we got the Titans and the Ravens playing in Baltimore. Ravens lead the Titans 7-0. I don't think Derrick Henry or Lamar Jackson either are playing in that game. And then tomorrow, we got the Falcons at Lions. I'm excited to see what Ritter has in store for the Falcons. Derek Ritter, you know he played at UC, led the Bearcats to the college football playoff. I want to see what Ritter's got in the tank. See, see if he can really play at the NFL level. Browns at Jags, Trevor Lawrence, sophomore season. I want to see if Trevor Lawrence can elevate his game and show why he was the number one overall pick a few years ago. Jets at Eagles. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play in that game. Zach Wilson, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they said about Zach Wilson's availability in that game. He might play. But I want to see what he does in his second year as well. And then you got the Cardinals at Bengals. Live here in Cincinnati at the new Paycar Stadium. Yeah, they renamed Paul Brown Stadium to Paycar Stadium now. And, I, and, and for all the Bingo fans out there complaining about the new name of the stadium, they had to partner up with Paycar because they got to pay Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. You got to pay these, these, these guys some point. So you have to partner up with a sponsor like Paycar, and it's now Paycar Stadium. It's not Paul Brown, Paul Brown Stadium anymore. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. Understand you're gonna you gotta pay your quarterback and your two great receivers on your team. So you, you gotta find some money to be able to pay those guys. Now, Saturday, we got oh also the Packers play the 49ers. 
to, you know, in Santa Clara tomorrow night. Ugh, I hate the 49ers. I, I hate the 49ers. Even in a preseason game, blow, blow them out. It won't be no Aaron Rodgers under center. It's probably going to be Jordan Love. Blow out the 49ers. I, I, I don't give a damn. Even if it's preseason, beat the 49ers. Please figure out a way to beat the 49ers. Somehow, some way, beat the 49ers. Now, Saturday's games. We got the Panthers at Commanders. Chiefs at Bears. Colts at Bills. Seahawks at Steelers. Dolphins at Bucks. Saints at Texans. Cowboys at Broncos. Rams at Chargers. Well, that's a home game for both of those teams in L.A. So that's the NFL preseason schedule for week one. I'm so excited for the NFL season. This time of year in August, like, I don't want to see no notifications to my phone because this time of year, it's only bad things that are being reported or notifications that you're getting. Whether it be Deshaun Watson being suspended, whether it's a player going down with a season-ending injury in training camp or in practice, this time of year, you just want your team to get by August so you can get to September and we can start the games that actually matter. You, I, I like literally, I cringe when I get Packer notifications. I, I cringe. I get all my Packer notifications from Bleacher Report, from the Score app, and I cringe every time I get a notification because I be praying that it's not a key player on the Packers' offense or defense. That is injured. I pray because you just don't want to see it. You don't want to. You hate when you see guys get have season-ending injuries before the season even starts. You know, once the season starts and they play seventeen meaningful games, somebody on your team is going to go down with a significant injury. It's inevitable. It's it's a physical sport. It's going to happen. But I just hate to see it, especially. Before September in training camp. I I, I mean, I, I hate it. I really, really do. But, you know, I'm excited for the season this year. It's so many great teams. It's really hard to predict who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, like you look at the AFC. In the AFC West alone, you got Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and then you got Justin Herbert. All four of those quarterbacks are quarterbacks I believe could win a Super Bowl. All four of them. AFC North, Joe Burrow, who's fresh off a Super Bowl appearance, and Lamar Jackson, who already won a Super Bowl, an NFL MVP. So, AFC West and the AFC North, both of those, you know, two divisions with those six quarterbacks I just named are quarterbacks who could win a Super Bowl. And then you go to the AFC South. I think the Colts could be sleepers in the AFC. I think Matt Ryan is still a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with. He's definitely an upgrade over Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz. And I already thought the Colts were a complete team. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got a nice defense led by Leonard at linebacker. And then you look at, you know, Ryan Tannehill. He's 
He's average. At his best, he may be good, but he, he's average. I, I'm not sure you can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. That's debatable, but you still got Derrick Henry. And this and that Titans team is led by the greatness of Derrick Henry. And then in the AFC East, you got Josh Allen. So in the AFC, it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm going to get my Super Bowl predictions in a few weeks, but the AFC is going to be tough. So many great teams. It's going to be one team that's a good team left out of the playoffs this year. Somebody's going to be left out, and they're going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. Not sure who it's going to be, but somebody's going to be left out. That's how great the AFC is this year. It's great. And then you also got in the NFC. Let's go to the NFC. Let's talk about the NFC and the best teams who I believe are in that conference. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They bring it back Tom Brady. And then in that offense, you still got Chris Godwin. You still got Mike Evans. You still got Leonard Fournette. He came to training camp fat and out of shape, but I expect him to be in shape once the season starts. And then defensively, I still think they got a nice defense. And then, you know, in the NFC West, you got the defending champs in the L.A. Rams. Matthew Stafford is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. You still got Cooper Cup, a top three receiver in the NFL. And defensively, you still got Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the NFL. And you got Jalen Ramsey as well. So they're going to be contenders in the NFC. I'm not sure about the 49ers. I will never disrespect the San Francisco 49ers. They have broke my heart multiple times in the postseason. Multiple times. They are the reason why Aaron Rodgers has not had a second Super Bowl appearance on his resume. The 49ers alone. So I'm not going to disrespect the 49ers, but I got to see how Trey Lance looks the first few weeks of the season before I can say that the 49ers are true Super Bowl contenders. Arizona, they got Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray got paid this offseason. He got his money. So they're going to be real expectations for Kyler Murray. He still hasn't won a playoff game. Can you at least win a playoff game, Kyler? At least win a playoff game? D-Hop is going to be out the first six games of the season. DeAndre Hopkins is so important to what the Cardinals do. He's that security blanket for Kyler Murray in this offense. So once they get DeAndre Hopkins back, maybe the Cardinals can creep their way into being in that Super Bowl contender conversation in the NFC. Right now, I think they are a playoff contender. I think they are a playoff contender. Look at Kyler Murray last year, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had 3,787 passing yards. He completed 69% of his passes. But the biggest key for Kyler Murray is going to be if he can win a playoff game. I mean, they got completely demolished last year against the Rams. I remember going into that game last year, NFC West battle, Cardinals, Rams, could go either way. It was a complete beatdown that took place in L.A. that after that, that day. I mean, the, the Rams dominated the Cardinals. They dominated them start to finish in that game. So can Kyler Murray finally get over that hump and win a playoff game in the NFC North? 
I think the Packers and the Vikings are the two teams that's going to be competing for supremacy in the NFC North. You look at the Vikings. You got Kirk Cousins, who is a good quarterback. I said it a few days ago on my show. Kirk Cousins is not great. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Joe Burrow. But Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. And he has weapons to distribute the football to. You got Justin Jefferson, a top 10 receiver in the NFL. You got Adam Thielen as well. So Kirk Cousins is a quarterback who I believe can win you a division. He, he also can win you a playoff game. I remember a few years ago when Drew Brees was still playing, the Vikings beat the Saints in New Orleans, led by Kirk Cousins. And last year, quietly, Kirk Cousins had a great season. 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had 4,221 passing yards. He completed 66% of his passes. So last year, Kirk Cousins quietly had a good season. And then also, I think what's going to help the Kirk, Kirk Cousins is the new coach that they brought in. They brought in Kevin O'Connell. He's an offensive mind that knows his football, and he knows how to call an offense. That's different than what they've had in previous years in Minnesota under Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a defensive guy, and I don't think Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins had great chemistry. I think now that Kevin O'Connell is the head coach in Minnesota, I think it's going to help Kirk Cousins even more. And I think this Vikings offense will play at an elite level. They got Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a dynamic running back in that offense. You got Dalvin Cook. You got Jefferson. You got Thielen. They got weapons in that Vikings offense. And again, Kirk Cousins is good. Not great, but he's good. And he's good enough to possibly lead the Vikings to the postseason. And then you got the Packers trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is trying to get back to the Super Bowl and finally win his second Super Bowl ring. You know, over the last three years, the Packers, they've been a top two seed in the NFC. Matt LaFleur as head coach in Green Bay, got a record of 39 and 10. So he's won 80% of his games. I think Matt LaFleur has done an outstanding job at building a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. When he took the job in Green Bay, I had my questions about whether or not Matt LaFleur was the right coach for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I didn't know if he would be the right coach that could help the Packers get over the hump and get back to a Super Bowl. Even though the Packers have not gotten back to a Super Bowl since Matt LaFleur has been head coach, I believe in Matt LaFleur as a head coach. I, I really do believe in Matt LaFleur, and I think he's done an outstanding job at building a, up a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. You got to remember, when Matt LaFleur took over in Green Bay as head coach, Aaron Rodgers had already won two NFL MVPs. He already had won an NFL Super Bowl. He already was a Super Bowl MVP. He was already a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. 
So Aaron Rodgers was already proven, you know, as a player. So, you know, sometimes when you have these coaches who take these jobs and you have these, you know, elite quarterbacks who are already there, it's a struggle with that relationship being built between the head coach and the elite quarterback. And so I thought Matt LaFleur did an outstanding job building up a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, he's helped Aaron Rodgers because he's made this offense an offense where Aaron Rodgers can hand the football off to nice running backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So, like I said, I like Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers, he's the back-to-back NFL MVP. 2020, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. I think he had 4,299 passing yards. And then last year, he was outstanding. 37 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He had 4,115 passing yards. So he was outstanding last year. And they did trade away Devontae Adams. But I think it's going to help this Packers offense. I think it was a blessing in disguise for the Green Bay Packers trading away Devontae Adams. As crazy as it sounds, I think it was a blessing in disguise. Let me explain why. I know Devontae Adams over the last three or four years has been the best receiver in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that connection when it comes to quarterback wide receiver connections has been the best in the NFL the last four years. Even compared to Brady, Evans, Mahomes, Hill, Stafford, Cup, Rodgers, Adams was the best. And Devontae Adams is universally recognized as the best receiver in the NFL. But one of the issues that I saw in this Packers offense, especially last year in a playoff loss to the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers, he gets Devontae Adams happy. And he only looks for Devontae Adams in key moments. Now, I understand why he's looking for Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a top five receiver. Devontae Adams has a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, not only on the field, but also off the field. So I understand why Aaron is looking for Devontae Adams. Devontae makes things happen. But when you're one-dimensional in the NFL and these defensive coordinators know that you're looking for that star receiver, they're going to key on that star receiver. And that's exactly what the 49ers did last year in that playoff game. Like, those last two possessions for the Packers, they were awful. They were awful about Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers was only looking for Devontae Adams. The one play, I believe, on the last possession for the Packers in that game, it was third and, I think, like, third and 10. Aaron Rodgers drops back the pass. He literally misses Alan Lazard over the middle for a completion that's probably going to be a 30 or 40-yard completion that could have gotten the Packers in field goal range to win the game. He misses Alan Lazard over the middle. I wish I had the highlight to show it. He misses him over the middle, launches the ball deep to Devontae Adams in double coverage. It was a terrible read by Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise that Devontae Adams is now in Las Vegas because now Aaron Rodgers has to spread the football around. And I know you look at the wide receiver 
depth chart. Statistically, the Packers, they weren't impressive last year. Alan Lazardi had 513 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, he's injury prone. He had 394 receiving yards. That was with the Ravens. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, they were in college. Randall Cobb last year, he only had 375 receiving yards, five touchdowns. Amari Rodgers only had four receptions, 45 yards. So everyone's asking the question, who's going to be that true number one receiver for Aaron Rodgers? I think Aaron Rodgers is going to spread the football around. And it's a reason why the Packers are 7-0 without Devontae Adams the last few years. They've been 7-0. And Aaron Rodgers has like 19 touchdowns and one interception without Devontae Adams on the field. Last year, I think it was week eight, Packers play the Cardinals in Arizona. It's a short week. Devontae gets COVID. Alan Lazar gets COVID. And Aaron Rodgers literally loses both of his top two targets. And the Packers beat the Cardinals 24-21 on a short week in Arizona because Aaron Rodgers spread the football around in that particular game. I think that's going to be the key for the Green Bay Packers this year. You got to get the ball to these different weapons. And then in camp so far, Romeo Dobbs, he has stepped up and been the breakout player for the Green Bay Packers offense. Christian Watson is still dealing with an injury, so he hasn't taken the field yet. But Romeo Dobbs has been outstanding so far in camp. Now, I love the fact the other day that Matt LaFleur, he had Jair Alexander, arguably the best cornerback in the NFL. He had him matched up against Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs didn't catch a pass. You have to keep the rookie humble. Keep him humble. Don't get, you know, over your head and think you got it all figured out. So maybe it's Dobbs. Everyone's talking about how great Christian Watson's going to be in this Packers offense. Maybe it's Romeo Dobbs. And once Aaron Rodgers can trust you, he will give you opportunities in games to make plays. He has built trust with Alan Lazard. He's built trust with Randall Cobb. And that's the, that's the thing as well. There are veteran receivers that Aaron Rodgers has built chemistry with in previous years. I think it's a little bit overstated that Aaron Rodgers can't play well with young receivers. I just think he has built relationships up with receivers in that Packers offense in previous years. I'm talking about Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. He's built up a relationship on and off the field with these receivers, and that's why you see Aaron Rodgers throw them the ball in key moments in games. Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, they were two reliable targets for Aaron Rodgers. Greg Jennings was outstanding as well when he played in Green Bay, and he made plays. He was a part of that Super Bowl team that won in 2010. So I, I, I still think the Packers offense is going to be a top 10 offense in the NFL. I think Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the NFL. We just got to see it in the postseason. We got to see it in the postseason from Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is one Super Bowl away from being top five all time at the quarterback position. 
he's one Super Bowl away from being in that conversation. I think you can make an argument for Aaron Rodgers to already be in that top five all-time quarterback conversation right now for his talent alone. Like, I, I believe that, like, some of these quarterbacks from of all time that played, I would take Aaron Rodgers over Peyton Manning. I know y'all going to go crazy and say, what? Aaron Rodgers over Peyton Manning? Yes, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Peyton Manning. I know Peyton Manning has two Super Bowls on his resume. I know he has five MVPs on his resume, and he was a great quarterback in his era. But Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback than Peyton Manning. And for all his postseason struggles, Aaron Rodgers is better in the postseason than Peyton Manning ever was in his career. His postseason record isn't impressive. This is Aaron Rodgers, 11 and 10. But look, he got 45 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He has 5,894 passing yards, completing 65% of his passes. So he has more touchdown passes in the postseason than Peyton Manning. He got less interceptions in the postseason than Peyton Manning. And I think Aaron Rodgers is a better passer of the football than Peyton Manning is. He really, really is. And he still has an opportunity to add to his legacy with another Super Bowl. That last Super Bowl that Peyton Manning won in Denver with the Broncos, Peyton Manning was a liability. They won that Super Bowl because of Von Miller and his dominance. They didn't win that Super Bowl because of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was well past his prime that last year in Denver. Well past his prime. Now, a year when he threw like over 50 touchdown passes, and I think they got to the Super Bowl that year. I'm not sure they got to the Super Bowl that year, but he was outstanding that year. He was still elite at that time, but that last year in Denver when they won the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning was a shell of himself. So, you know, you got the Packers in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, who are their Super Bowl contenders. You know, so you look at the, you know, NFC East. I don't think the Cowboys are true Super Bowl contenders. I'm not a believer in Mike McCarthy as a head coach. I like Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott is a good quarterback like Kirk Cousins. I think, like, I look at Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott, you know, on, at the same level. I look at them on the, at the same level when it comes to tier quarterbacks in the NFL. Depending on how great your defense is, maybe Dak Prescott could lead the Cowboys to a a Super Bowl appearance, maybe. I, I got. I don't like Mike McCarthy, and then they, they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now in that Cowboys receiver room. They lost Cedric Wilson to the to the Dolphins. They traded Amari Cooper to the Browns. So I'm not sure about that Cowboys receiving court right now. The only reliable target that they have is C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup is still dealing with an injury, so he's not going to play at the beginning of the season. So they're going to have to rely on maybe Noah Brown, James Washington. He was lost recently as he went down with an injury. I think he's going to be out for six to ten weeks. Ezekiel Elliott is no longer an elite running back in the NFL. Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott. So I don't think the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. I think Prescott can win you a Super Bowl if he has an elite defense, possibly, possibly. And and we know they got Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But 
I don't think that the Cowboys are true true broken contenders, but they might end up winning the NFC East. The NFC East East is a weak division. It's a terrible division. Only competition the Cowboys really got is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we look at, we look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They got Jalen Hurts at quarterback last year. Jalen Hurts sixteen touchdowns, nine interceptions, three thousand one hundred and four passing yards. I want to see if Jalen Hurts can ascend to being a true pocket passer. We know he's a great mobile quarterback, and he, his athleticism is off the charts. But can Jalen Hurts elevate his game to being a true pocket passer in that Eagles offense? If he can, the Eagles can be contenders in the NFC East and in the NFC. So that's my breakdown of the NFL. Week one of the preseason, figure I'd give an NFL preview. I'm going to get my NFL predictions here in a few weeks. My Super Bowl predictions, all the teams I expect to make the playoffs. We're going to talk about that here in a few weeks. Don't forget, next Tuesday, I'm going to have Garrett Bush, host of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show and the host of the Locked On Browns podcast. He's going to be joining me on the show to talk about the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson and his expectations for the Cleveland Browns this upcoming NFL season. Don't forget you can find Catch Wise Guys 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays on the Worldwide Sports Network. Enjoy NFL week one of the preseason. I'm Trey Larkins signing off. Have a good one. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.